Well, good morning, Lakeview Church. We're glad to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Pastor Mark. If you don't know me or haven't met me yet, I'm the executive pastor here. But you know, we have a, another church over in Vernon, Texas. Actually, we're one church in two locations. And so this morning, Pastor Daniel, uh, Miss Victoria and their family are over there, and he'll be bringing the same message that I'm bringing to you today over there to the folks in Vernon. But right now, I want you to do something with me. Will you? Will you do something with me? Let's welcome everybody who's watching online. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. So I'm so glad to be with you today. We are kicking off a new series today. The new series is a four-week series celebrating Pentecost. And uh, it's our May sermon series, and it's entitled, The Holy Spirit, Our Comforter. How many know that the Holy Spirit is our comforter? Amen. And so when we say the word Pentecost, you know, there's a lot of words we use in the church that come from Scripture that sometimes we explain them and sometimes we don't explain them. Today, I want to give you the meaning of Pentecost. What's Pentecost all about? Well, first of all, Pentecost, how many have ever heard the word Pentecostal? We're getting Pentecostal up in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Pentecostal is not a religion. Pentecostal, while there are some denominations that have Pentecostal in their name, it's not specifically uh, Pentecostal is not specifically a denomination, okay? But uh, uh, matter of fact, some people will ask you, are you Pentecostal? And what happens is that labels you. It's like saying, are you charismatic? Are you this? Are you that? Are you the other thing? Sometimes it, it, it uh, labels you and people begin to think that they can derive certain things about you just asking that one question, are you Pentecostal? And how many know that word sometimes can even divide? It can even bring division sometimes. And so we want to encourage you today to understand the true meaning of the word Pentecost. Now, the word Pentecost comes from the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost was also, it's one of the five Jewish feasts. And it's um, more typically in, in the Jewish religion, in the Old Testament, it was called the Feast of Weeks. And what that is, is that Feast of Weeks, or that uh, Feast of Pentecost, had a twofold purpose. The first purpose of the Feast of Pentecost was to give thanks to God for the end of the spring harvest. And so at the end of spring, at the end of spring, they would give thanks to God for their springtime harvest, and they would have a feast. And that feast was called the Feast of Pentecost. But another thing that they did on the day of Pentecost, or on the Feast of Pentecost, in the Old Testament was that they celebrated they celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments, okay? And how many remember the giving of the Ten Commandments? Moses went up on the mountain. God uh, gave him the Ten Commandments. He came down. He gave them to the people. It's a whole long story. Amen. And uh, you can read about it. Did y'all know you can read about it? You can find it in the Bible. And so I want to encourage you to read the story about uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments. But I want you to also understand something, that Pente, where the name comes from, where Pentecost comes from, Pente means 50. It just simply means 50. And so if I need something from you, I'm going to say, you got a Pente on you? Anybody? How many have a Pente on you? Nobody? There you go. I need one. No, I'm just. 
I'm just joking. Kind of. Anyway, Pente means 50. Means 50. So Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after Passover or seven Sundays. Seven Sundays after Passover is Pentecost. This year, the day of Pentecost, because uh, the Jews, are, uh, they actually still celebrate the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost this year will be May 28th, the last Sunday of this month, 50 days after Easter. And so in Acts chapter 2, and this will be on your screen and in your notes, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this, when the day of Pentecost came. And so it was something that they could anticipate. It was something that they were looking forward to. And so in this particular day of Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And on that day, something very spectacular happened. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on mankind. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the giving of the Ten Commandments and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they had some similarities. Number one, when the Ten Commandments were given, it looked like this. There was a cloud that descended with a loud noise and with fire. And God, like I said, with his finger, wrote his law on tablets of stone. And again, similarly recorded in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost looked like this. The Holy Spirit descended from heaven with a loud sound and fire, and God wrote his law on our hearts. See, one was external, one was rules, one was a law, and the other one was internal. It was spiritual. It was written on our hearts. The principles were the same. Again, like I said, one was external, one was internal, one was outward, one was inward. And But thanks to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Paul said this, now. So when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out once and for all on mankind, or not for all, but one time for all mankind, and he's still here today, when that happened, Paul said, now... We can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law outwardly, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. You can find that in Romans chapter 7, verse 6. We can live in the Spirit. What that means is the Holy Spirit. I would say it this way. He's my onboard companion. He's always with me because He's in me. He's the agency of the new birth. When we say Jesus came into your heart, it really isn't Jesus that came into your heart, but it's the Holy Spirit that came to reside on the inside of you at the new birth, at the new birth. But on the day of Pentecost, he comes upon you. Amen? And so I find it fascinating. This is what I find fascinating. It doesn't take too much to excite me. Come on. But I find this very fascinating. What happened on the day of Pentecost was something so wonderful and so visibly obvious that those that looked on, the onlookers, they had a question that was recorded in Acts chapter 2, verse 12. Here's what they said. 
And, and the writer of Acts chapter 2, uh, uh, the writer of the book of Acts is Luke. And Luke said it this way. He's looking at these onlookers. He's taking notes. And he says, amazed and perplexed. Wonder what they saw that caused them to be amazed and perplexed. They were amazed by what they saw. But they were perplexed by what they saw. And they asked one another this question. What does this mean? What does this mean? You know, that's not a question that too, uh, that, that's, not, that's not a question that is not asked today. It's always asked today. People ask that all the time. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does the day of Pentecost mean? What does the outpouring of the Holy Spirit mean? What are the, the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? What do they mean? What does tongues mean? Come on. People ask those questions, right? They're still asking. And they ask because they may have seen something or they may have heard something. And they were amazed and they were perplexed. And they said, what does this mean anyway? And today, we hope to ask, answer a few of those questions for you. But let me share with you what Peter, now listen, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit stood up on the day of Pentecost and he began to preach as the Spirit of God gave him the words to say. And here's what he said. The same question is asked today, what does this mean? Four verses later in Acts 2.16, Peter's specific answer was recorded. He said, this, what does this mean? He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So what this, what they saw, what they heard, what it meant was that God was keeping the promise that he made through the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came upon Peter. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And when he preached on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 people were born again. And he preached this message using a, a scripture that he had been taught from a kid. Joel chapter 2, a prophecy. I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is the outpouring of God's spirit. And can I tell you, not only did it have meaning for them when Peter gave them the answer, but it has meaning for you. It has meaning for me in the day and time in which we live. I'm going to ask you right now to bow your heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of God's word. We're hearing all kinds of things today that people call truth that are no, no more truth than anything else. But I tell you, when we hear from you, when we look into your word, we are hearing truth. And I thank you that that truth sheds light in our heart. It opens up the, our mind, the eyes of our understanding, so that we can begin to understand the things that you've done for us, the things that you've done in us, and those things that you've called us to do in the time and space in which we live. We give you thanks for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So what does the outpouring of the Holy Spirit mean? Well, it means that God knew we needed a heart change. And so he wrote his word on our heart. It means that he knew we needed more than just a set of rules to follow. It means that we need more than just the letter of the law, just like what Paul talked about. 
But we needed a true change of heart. On the day of, the day of Pentecost then was a day of change. Because only God can change hearts. And he has chosen the third person of the Godhead. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's all God, the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many know the Holy Spirit's God? Jesus is God, and the Father God is God. And they are three in one. The triune Godhead is what the Bible calls it, or the, 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 the um, third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And he is the only one that can bring change. He's the only one that can truly change the hearts of men. You know what the Bible says about God? That he changed your nature when you were born again. See, can I tell you something what the devil's trying to do? This whole trans thing is about the devil trying to change the nature of men. And he can't do it. And he tries to change the nature of men and women. But it's only God that can change the true nature of a man. And the true nature of a woman. And that's not a nature from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. But it's a nature from a sinner to a saint. And you've been transformed. You've been changed. And we could say it in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. In a moment of a decision. A decision to believe on the mighty God. There was change that took place in your life. And that change could only happen. Because of God and because of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so it's only God that can change hearts. Only God can change a man. Only God can change a woman. Only God can change a society. And, a God, and it's only God that can actually change a culture. True change requires more of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. You know, I've heard people say this before. I want more of God. Have you ever said that? I want more of God. I've said that. I've been in services. How many want more of God? I want more of God. But when you're saying you want more of God, what you're really saying is I want more of the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what I want more of. I want more of God. But God, he, when, he, when Jesus went to heaven, he sent another comforter is what the Bible said. And that comforter was sent to abide in you and to be with you. And not only to be in you and to be with you, but to be that person that is your comforter in this life. And so that's why we sing, Holy Spirit, come. We sang that song. Holy Spirit, come. How's he supposed to come? Like a fire. How's he supposed to come? Like a flood. Come on, somebody. That's how we want him to come. We want him to come like a flood. We want him to come like a fire on the inside of us to change us. I want you to know that the majority of every single thing Jesus said about the Holy Spirit can be found in the book of John. It can be found in the book of John. And it was recorded by John the day before Jesus was to go to the cross. It was recorded before the day Jesus was to go to the cross. In John 13, after they'd eaten the Last Supper, we see Jesus. Here's what he was doing. They had that long table. They had the long supper. Jesus washed their feet of the disciples. 
saying, I, I'm, I'm a servant to you. That's what he was saying. When he washed their feet, he was saying, I'm your servant. He washed their feet. And then what did he do? He dispatched Judas Iscariot to go and do what you will do. And what he was to do was to betray Jesus himself. But through the remainder of John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus converses with his disciples. He's talking to them. And what is he talking to them about? Well, first he talks to them about his soon departure. He'd been telling them that over and over and over and over again. But they really weren't comprehending it. So he was telling them once again, these are his last words. He's saying, I'm going to be leaving. But he said, I'm not only going to leave, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back one day. And then he said that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He made a promise to them. When I go away, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, our comforter. So it was during this Last Supper discussion that Jesus shared five attributes of the Holy Spirit. He shared five things that the Holy Spirit would do, he can do, listen, he can do and he will do in our lives, but there's a key, if we'll allow him. How many know God's a gentleman? How many know the Holy Spirit's a gentleman? How many know that the devil, he drives, he, he insists, he's pushy, he's always pushing you. He's always trying to talk you into something. But that's not our God. God loves you. He guides you. He leads you. He, he, he talks to you. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's a still small voice that he speaks to us in. And so we want to develop a relationship with him. We want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And how do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, you talk to him. You, you talk to him. And, and I always say it this way, you invoke him. You invite him into your life. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said this, I will pray the Father. So he's telling his disciples, he said, I'm going to pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. Some translations call him an advocate. Some translations call him a friend. And he said, I'm going to pray the Father and he will give you another comforter, an advocate, a friend, that he may abide with you forever. How many, come on, really, seriously, if God, if God said, I'm going to give you something that will never, ever lose its power. Now, we say that about the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus has never lost its power. But he said, I'm going to give you something else that's never going to lose its power. It's my gift to you. Because I'm going away, I'm going to ask God to give you a gift. And that gift, you're never going to lose it. Somebody can't take it away from you. He will abide with you forever. Come on, somebody. That's our God. He gave us a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit that will abide with me forever. He's my advocate. He's my friend. I don't have any friends. Yes, you do. If you're born again. You have a friend, you have a friend, and his name is the Holy Spirit of God. And he abides with you forever. See, his ability to work in us, though, I always say this, you know, I can have 20 bucks in my pocket, but I don't have to spend it. Right? Matter of fact, I might not even know I have it. Anybody ever hid something in your wallet only to find it later? 
Maybe. <laughs> it's happened to me. It's happened to me. I've hidden stuff. I've hidden sudden, I've put stuff in a coat pocket and wore that coat later and found that thing in the coat pocket. You know, money is that thing. And uh, um, it can happen. But here, here's the thing. We have it, but are we allowing him to work and abide with us? It's dependent on our willingness to welcome him and embrace him. Why? Because he is a gentleman. He will not force you. If you don't allow him to work in your life, if I don't allow him to work in my life, he will sit there. Because he is not going to force anything on you. Why? Because God gave you your own free will. And he doesn't want robots. He wants people that will follow him because they love him. And so when we, uh, when we invite him, when we invoke, like I said, that word invoke, it, it just means to, to really urge and invoke and to, to say, look, you have full access. You have full reign in my life. I invoke your presence. When I invoke and invite the Holy Spirit to work in my life, in each of these following five areas, that's when uh, it begins to be evident that he is with me and in me. But I have to invite him. I have to ask him. What do we call asking? We call it prayer. We call it prayer. But all prayer really is is just asking. And you know what? How many have ever asked somebody to do something that they already told you they wanted to do? They said, you know, I want to I cut your grass. No, 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 I don't want you to cut my grass, my grass. Uh, that's my responsibility, I don't want to cut my grass. Uh, I'll cut my own grass. But then later on, you get busy and you realize, hey, man, I can't get to it. So you call the guy and say, hey, dude, you know what? I've been so busy, I can't get to my grass. Would you please cut it? Could you find it in your heart? To please cut it. He said, dude, I already told you I'd do it. So he's doing it. Thank you, uh, Reuben. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. But it's really the truth. God will do what he said he would do. All you have to do is ask him to do it. And so it's the same with the Holy Spirit. So number one, Holy Spirit... Comfort me. That's my first ask of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Now, I want to talk to you about something. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I find this very interesting because it's easy for us. And in as we survey this room right now, and each person in here is an individual person, each person in here, God would call a certain person, that each person has a life, each person has a history, each person has a story. And in each story, I'll bet you we can't go around this room and not find that every person in their story has had difficulty in their life. Every one of us. Some of us have, have had trauma in our life. Some of us have had a tragedy in our life. Each one of us have had situations that have happened in our life that shake our peace. And, 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 and we wonder, how am I going to get through this? Anybody ever had that happen to you? 
where you didn't know if you were going to get through it or not. But Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. In your most difficult times of life, the Holy Spirit is your comfort. The Holy Spirit is the God of all comfort. And He will comfort you. And it's in these toughest times that we have to begin to look for Him. We have to look for Him. Again, you, you have to see that He is working. Many times He's working because He's a comforter. He's working to comfort you as you begin to look for Him and begin to embrace Him. He will be there. All you have to do is simply look for Him. Did you know when you look for the Holy Spirit, it's an act of faith? It's an act of trust. So look for Him. Now, John 14, 27, listen to this. He said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Now, what happens before John 14, 27 is John 14, 26. See what I did there? And in John 14, 26, out of the Amplified, he said this. But the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener and standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and to act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything I have told you my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. What is his peace? His peace is the Holy Spirit. And when you look for him, and when you acknowledge him, and when you embrace him, he's able to do his work in your life. So it said he would do what? He would teach us all things. And he would help us to remember everything that Jesus has told us. So it's important for us, number one, to read the Bible. How many believe it's important to read the Bible? And we have a great reading, a Bible reading program that you can go on. You can go online to lakeviewpeople.com slash Bible. You can read through the Bible in a year. Amen? How many know that's an awesome thing? But you can also read one scripture a day. You can also lock in on one scripture that God has revealed to you and allow the Holy Spirit and begin to mutter it over and over again and allow the Holy Spirit to make it real to you and to bring the comfort that that scripture can bring to you because the Holy Spirit, you can fill out this second blank, is the revealer of truth to me. He reveals truth to me. And so my question and my ask of the Holy Spirit is every time I open the Bible, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. Invite the Holy Spirit. Here's another area that you can, he's going to reveal truth, amen? How many know sometimes people do ignorant things? Like talk in church. Just sit there and talking in church while other people are trying to listen. You know, they talk so much they don't even hear you say that. Anyway, people can do ignorant things. I've done ignorant things. You know what? I've been ignorant before. What does ignorant mean? It means I just don't know. It means there's things I don't know. And sometimes I'm ignorant. I'm even ignorant of my own wrongdoing sometimes. 
I'm even ignorant of things that I'm doing to bring harm to myself and to my family. I don't even know that I'm doing it. It's called a blind spot. I'm so ignorant, it's a blind spot. And so um, I asked the Holy Spirit, help me to see truth. Help me to see areas that I need to learn. Help me to see areas that I need to embrace the truth of the Word of God. There's areas I'm not embracing God's truth. I'm going my own way. I'm doing my own thing. But I need to embrace His truth if something's going to change. And so here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will reveal truth. But part of revealing truth is revealing you to you. Do you know what that means? He will reveal you to you. He will reveal what maybe is happening in your life. He revealed to you things that maybe need to be changed. He will reveal things to you, but you got to want it. He's not going to do it unless you want it. But if you want it, he will reveal you to you. And the only reason he reveals you to you is so that he can reveal truth to you. The truth of God's word. The great revivalist Jonathan Edwards said this, the Holy Spirit represents things as they truly are because he is the spirit of truth. He cannot do anything else. Our God is not a man that he should lie. The Holy Spirit is God and every bit God. And if he's every bit God, then he represents things as they truly are because he is called the spirit of truth. And so the number one way that he will reveal truth to us again is through his word. After all, he wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. No, 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 men wrote the Bible. No, men took paper and took pen and wrote on paper what the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. But it's the Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible. And that's why we call it the Word of God. So Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And now notice what else the word of God will do. Because like I said, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal you to you. The Holy Spirit, I mean the word of God, written by the Holy Spirit, will expose our innermost thoughts and desires. Now listen to me. A lot of times when we read this, we say the Holy Spirit, The word cuts like a knife. It cuts two ways. And it's going to reveal your thoughts and your desires. And immediately we think our bad thoughts and our bad desires. How many know that we think, oh, the Bible's only going to show me the bad things about myself. But you know what? He only shows you those things so he can show you the good things that he put on the inside of you. The thoughts that he wants you to think. The, the desires that he wants you to have. He wants you to see from the word of God that here's who you really are. Here's what you can really do. And here's how your life is going to be so much better than it is right now. But how many know it doesn't happen overnight? It happens one step at a time. And so it exposes our innermost thoughts and, be, and, and desires. See, nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything, again, is exposed. Everything is uh, um, transparent. How many know we need people in our life that we can be transparent with? We call them accountability partners. And we need people like that to where we trust them enough. You can't just go telling everything about yourself to everybody. You just can't do that. it, it It serves you no good. Why? Because not everybody cares about you like the people that are closest to you. And the people that are closest to you and that actually love you are the people that will actually tell you the truth. And sometimes it's hard to tell the truth. 
When someone's asking a question and, and they're being totally transparent and you see something in their life and you say, you know, if you'll just remove this out of your life, just saying, if you'll remove this out of your life can be a, the most difficult to say thing to say to somebody that you love. But it's the wounds of a friend. It's the wounds of a friend that the Bible says that will, will help you. It'll help you. It'll heal you. It'll heal you. It'll bring healing. And so... Our prayer should be, because everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, he is the one to whom we are accountable. Our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, use the truth to perform spiritual surgery on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, be my comforter. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. Let me see it. And then testify of Jesus. How many know this? In Acts, in John 4, uh, 15, 26, when the advocate comes, when the advocate comes, the advocate, capital A, is the Holy Spirit. So when the advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And so he's the Spirit of truth. He reveals truth and he testifies of Jesus. Now listen, a lot of times we, we know that God wants us to share our faith with other people. How many know that? That's what God wants to do. He called you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He called you to go into the world and preach the gospel. But he didn't leave you alone to do it. He testifies of Jesus. And he'll work in your life to help you have something to testify of. The Holy Spirit will exalt Jesus and give you the words to testify about Jesus. He's your advocate. He's called alongside to support you, to counsel you. The Holy Spirit will even recommend a course of action for you. But it only happens as we submit to the Holy Spirit. And as we submit to him, he will use us not only for his glory, but the Bible says for our glory. And so three, we need to pray, Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, use me. Use me as your mouthpiece. Use my hands to bring your healing. Fill me with passion to do your will. Allow your compassion to flow through me. See, have you ever been used by God to share Christ with another person? If you've ever been used by God to bring freedom to somebody, to bring truth to somebody, and to see it actually take hold and to see a life change, it will change your life. It'll change your life. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but when you receive power, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Power to do what? Power to testify. Power to be a witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, I want you to remember this. The goal of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the power and authority to reach the lost souls in this world. That's the whole purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 18 through 21, P Peter continued to preach on the day of Pentecost. I said this before. He preached anointed of the Holy Spirit. 
He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was him that took center stage after the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was poured out in the upper room, but it poured out into the, into the, the highways and the byways right there. And the people began to see it. And they were the ones that began to question what's happening here. These people are drunk. And he stood up to preach. You know, they're not drunk as you suppose. But again, he began to preach. And again, quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 29 and 32, he said, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the end of that sentence was this. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the outpouring of the Spirit that leads other people to know Christ. It's our equipping. And then on the flip side, we understand we're not alone. We're not alone in this. The Holy Spirit will use us. He will remind us of truth, just as He did Peter. And He will give us the words to say when we're sharing our our faith. And he will empower us to be witnesses. But on the flip side of that, he will also convict the hearts and the minds of every person to whom he leads us. See, God is leading you to people. There are people in your life that God's leading you to. There are people in this church today that are in this church today because the Holy Spirit led someone else to invite them to this church today. That's happened all over America today, all over the world. That is the working of the Holy Spirit. And we need to embrace it, and we need to accept it, and we need to ask Him to work in us. But because we understand in John 16, 8, when He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, here's another thing that He'll do. He will convict the world of its sin. Now, a lot of times we read that and we say, well, He's going to convict them of being this way or that way or another way. He's going to convict them of drinking too much or, or having too much promiscuity. Let me say it that way. We have young ears in here. Amen. He, he's going to convict them of all that stuff. No, that's not what he's going to convict them of. His main conviction is not the sin, is not sinning or sins, but that it's the result of the sin that's in their heart. They don't believe in God. And so it's the sin of unbelief. He will convict the world of its sin the sin of unbelief, and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He's helping us even when we're trying to share Him with other people. And so while the Holy Spirit is our helper as we witness to others, when it comes to each one of us, our continued prayer should be this. Holy Spirit, convict me. Holy Spirit, convict me. Convict me. You know, there's a prayer that's found in Psalm 139. And it's actually a prayer we can pray every single day. And I encourage you to pray that prayer every single day. Psalm 139. And that prayer is to invite the Holy Spirit to work in our individual lives. Again, we said we have blind spots sometimes. There's times that we're ignorant of things that we've allowed into our life. And this this scripture says this. I want you to read it with me. It's on the screen. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, I challenge you to pray that prayer 
But don't pray that prayer if you don't want an answer. If you don't really want to change, if you don't really want more of God, if you don't really want to invite the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's not a prayer that you want to pray. Because if you pray it, He will. He will. John 16, 13 says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, this is another thing that He will do. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you of what is yet to come. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is equipped to guide us into all truth. So then our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, guide me. In Romans 8, 14, in the um, God's Word translation says this, certainly, certainly, you could say it this way, of a truth, absolutely true, certainly, all who are guided by God's Spirit are God's children. So listen, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you. And if you allow Him to guide you, it's a, it's a proof of your being His child. The Amplified says it this way, and I like this, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. See, we make that determination. It's up to us whether the Holy Spirit works in our life. Galatians 5.16 finally says this, the Holy Spirit will guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I want to share with you, I'm going to share one more scripture in just a minute. But the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. And there's five things that He will guide us into very quickly. Number one, He will always, when He guides you, He will always exalt Jesus Christ in your life. He will always exalt Jesus Christ. When He guides you, He will always expose Satan's sin and lies. When He guides you, He will guide you to respect the authority of Scripture. And when He guides you, He will promote truth. He will promote truth in your life. He's not going to lead you into darkness. He's not going to lead you away from God, but He's going to lead you to Him. And then the fifth thing that He's going to do is He's going to always, when He guides you, produce love for God and love for people. I want you to stand with me today. Isaiah 30, 21, it's the last scripture in your notes, says this, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. And that voice will say, this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. We've had situations in our life where we didn't know what to do. We didn't know which way to go. Sometimes it's it has to do with money in our life. Sometimes it has to do with other situations in our life. It, it's dealing with our children. We don't know what to do. It's praying for our children. We don't know what to do. But he said, if you'll just walk and listen, he'll tell you whether to go to the right or to the left. Why? Because he's the Holy Spirit of God. And he's your comforter. And he's sent here to comfort you. And so today... As we close the service, I'm going to ask our band to come up, our worship team, if you guys will come on up. You know, we sing these songs. Holy Spirit, guide me. 
Holy Spirit, I ask you to comfort me. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. But I want you, after we've spoken this message today, we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song, I want these words of this song to be your words, your prayer. Because let me tell you what, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, it will change your vision. It will change what you see. You know what I mean? Sometimes we see, anybody ever seen a difficult person? They're difficult. And you see them and you're like, man, they're difficult. Have you ever seen somebody, you're like, man, you see them in the mall and you've had a run in with them and so you go all the way to the other side of the mall. You know, because we don't, wouldn't want to have any contact with them. So I'm not the only one. There's things we see, but the Holy Spirit wants to change our vision. He wants to change what we see. He wants to change the things we actually seek for. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, men, they, men and women, they'll, they'll seek things. We seek things. We're trying to fill this void in our heart. And we're trying to seek things to fill this void. And when we get it, it doesn't do it. So it's got to be something else. It must be a career. If I, just, if I just had that job, if I just had that career, if I just had that man, if I just had that girl, woman. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. We're always trying to, we're trying to, there's nothing wrong with having a, a husband or a wife and seeking that. That's nothing wrong. But if we'll seek God first, he'll give us a new vision and we'll see differently about what we're seeking for. We've made mistakes seeking our own way. You know, there's a way that looks the right way in a man's eyes, right? That's what the Bible tells us. It looks the right way, but God wants to change your vision. So you see the world the way he sees the world. You see what he wants for you. And then you can begin to seek that thing instead of all these other things in the world that are going to bring detriment into your life. So right now as we sing this song, I want you to begin to sing it. And make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. You know, I'm sensing right now, I, I, I sensed this earlier in the service, and so I kind of want to be, well, I, well, I, I absolutely want to be obedient to you, to it. As we were worshiping earlier, I saw in my heart, uh, actually I saw the word um, <laughs> infection. Is there anybody dealing with an infection? In your body, I'm talking about a real absolute infection. Anybody dealing with an infection? You need prayer. You are. Come down here. Hallelujah. I saw, I saw the word infection, and the Lord told me just to lay hands on the sick. So in the name of Jesus. Just lay my hands on my brother. And I command that infection to die right now. The very root, at the very root, I command this infection to die in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that every part of that tissue is being recreated even now in Jesus' name. Every part of that infection is being driven out 
in the name of Jesus. The blood is being purified even now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just give you thanks. I give you thanks for you are the healer. You're the healer in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we do. We've laid hands on him in faith, right? He's received in faith. A lot of times it happens immediately. Sometimes it happens as we go. But regardless of when it happens, we give thanks. And brother, here's what I would tell you to say. Every time you feel that, every time you sense anything about it, just continue to give thanks that he's, God's working in your body to effect a healing and a cure. And I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I sure appreciate it. just men and women we're all just people we're just people but we're people empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and he wants to do things through you but he has to change the way you see things that's why he wants to reveal truth to you to me all of us every last one of us he wants to change the way we see the world he wants us to change the way we see people so that we can seek what he wants for other people. And so we're going to sing this song, but I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down right now. I know we've got members of the prayer team that are on the uh, stage, but any, I need prayer team members down right now. And if you have a need in your, in your life right now, if you have a need, you may need to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You may re need to recommit your life to Christ right now. This is the time to do it. When we sing this song, this will be the time to do it. Uh, uh, if you need healing in your physical body, if you have something going on in your finances, it can be a thousand different things that can be going on. And all you're doing is you're coming down and you're asking somebody else to agree with you for God's solution in that problem. That's it. It's not a stigma. It's like, oh, look, they needed prayer. We all need prayer. We all need it. And so if you need something right now, don't hesitate. This is your time to come. I'm going to pray a prayer. Father, we just thank you for each person. And as we sing this song, Lord, we will worship you. We will worship you as the one and only true God. We will worship you as the one that pours out your spirit. And we will receive your Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, work in this place. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And we give you the thanks for it now. Amen.